Blog Talk Radio. Ladies and gentlemen, congratulations. You are about to arrive to the right place. Five, four, three, two, one. Welcome to the Ellen and Aaron's Sportsbook Yes. Are you ready for it? Now, here is Ellen and Aaron. And a pleasant good evening uh, to everybody. This is our final show of 2021, and it is uh, December 17th, 2021, a week before Christmas. And uh, we are delighted to hear uh, to have you here tonight with us on the Allen and Aaron Sports Talk podcast. Hopefully everyone's had a great week and has all their uh, shopping done. I know that's uh, always a big thing this year, a lot of stress involved there. But uh, tonight we're going to try to entertain you a little bit, uh, give you some Things to think about in the sports world over the next uh, several weeks as we will be taking a little bit of a uh, break here. Um, Alan is, of course, with me tonight. Alan, how are you? I'm doing fantastic. Thank you for asking. Really appreciate it. You know, it's the holiday season, so you you got to be in a good holiday spirit around this time of the year. Absolutely. No no Grinches allowed here tonight. So. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> um, obviously, there's some Grinches in the uh, world of sports that we're going to be talking about here over the next. Uh, hour, hour and a half or so uh, this evening. A um, lot to get to here tonight. Uh, one thing that we're going to do here this evening, though, uh, as our year for the Allen and Aaron Sports Talk podcast, our second year, uh, comes to an end. Uh, we're going to be kind of reflecting back on the year that was. Um, 2021 was a big year in the sports world. Um, a lot of big things happened. Uh, a lot of things that nobody saw coming happened. And so we'll kind of reflect back and, and maybe just kind of kind of uh, freelance a little bit in terms of, you know, what our favorite moments were, uh, maybe some underrated things, maybe nobody really saw kind of things that got swept under the rug, if you will. We'll talk about that as well. I want to start it off here tonight, though. Um, you know, as a year comes to an end, it's always, and we're two weeks away from the end of the year now, always look back at the year that was. And... Um, you know, this is an awesome thing that we're doing here. This is our second year. Our first full year, of course, is now coming to an end. And you look back at the very beginning of this year, this is a great year. I mean, look at some of the interviews we had. We talked about this last week. We've had Daryl Strawberry, Chip Carey. Um, you have had the opportunity to play golf with Derek Brooks. You got to interview Vander Holyfield. I mean, these are things that, you know, you can only dream of sometimes. And so, having these opportunities to meet people and to entertain individuals that some of them we knew, some of them we don't know that have, have picked up on our show over the last uh, almost two years. There's been some losses in the sports world too. Um, in fact, Alan, I know that the night that we talked to Daryl Strawberry back in late January was the night that Hank Aaron passed away. So just kind of thinking back throughout the year, we've seen some, sports heroes that have, uh, have passed on and also had some people in our personal lives that have passed on. So I think it's very important tonight uh, for us to just take a, a moment of silence, uh, about 30 seconds or so, just to, you know, in the memory of those who, uh, who the sports world and in our personal lives have passed on, just to honor them here this evening. So for the next uh, 30 seconds or so, we're going to have here tonight a moment of silence. All right, so 
Uh, obviously, uh, again, as I mentioned at the top of the show here a moment ago, this is our final uh, show for the 2021 year. We are going to be back and better than ever in 2022. Got a lot on the uh, lot on the uh, uh, agenda here tonight. Uh, Alan, what uh, what all do we have here this evening? Yeah, we're just going to do that, continue that talk about thanking all of our past guests, our fans that have supported us throughout this year. And this, you know, we'll discuss the Urban Meyer situation in Florida. Wanted to kind of get all of your take on that, and I'll see you mine. Also, I'll give you my, you know, box predictions for this weekend's fights. And definitely, that's what we want to do today is give you our picks too, our NFL picks. Remember, don't don't uh <laughs> don't bet on us. It's just for entertainment. But we really definitely want to end the show with a, a year with a bang. We want to definitely say thanks to all of our past guests and our fans and our listeners who have definitely chimed in throughout the year and have joined us. And you're right. It's like a dream come true that you can get an opportunity to meet some, you know, not just big celebrities like the Daryl Strawberries, the Evander Holyfields. We definitely appreciate the big names that have come through on the show. Even Evan Holyfield, his son. But we also, Chip Carey, we also appreciate the other guests that we've had, too, that may have not been at that level yet of, of a Daryl or a Vander as far as national like notice, national celebrity type status. But we have interviewed people that are on their way to that status. And, I've, and they have actually reached out to us to help us get their name out there. And, and that's one of the things I pride ourselves on this show is that we, we not only will talk to somebody who like a Daryl Strawberry, but we'll also talk to somebody who is trying to get their name out there, who is not at that level yet, but aspires to do so. So we'll talk about that and we'll go ahead and bring that up too. I did want to go ahead and bring on one of our callers here, who is a regular caller. Let me bring him on right now. Happy holidays, fellas. Hey, happy holidays. <laughs> How you doing, Luke? All right. Happy holidays. Yeah. It's been quite a year. You're right. Yeah, I mean, it's, yeah. It has been. I mean, 2021 was not a perfect year, but I think, you know, it was a better year than we had last year, especially in the sports world. Yeah, I agree. Because um, when we started the show in 2020, it was during the beginning of really when things were shutting down. It really wasn't yeah. – social distancing was at its height. Sports venues were getting canceled left and right. And then when we started the show, too, XFL, they went under. You know, it, I had told my son I was going to take him to a game on the XFL. I was going to take him to one of the very last games of the season, like a six- or seven-game season. And lo and behold, they canceled the season. So I didn't get an opportunity to take him. That's how things were, were going when we first started. And Yeah. This year, did, I mean, you did have some, some reschedules, some things were moved around, but overall, at least most of the events went went through. What are your thoughts on that, uh, Lou? Yeah, I mean, most of them did. You know, the NCAA uh, tournament, the playoffs went out, everything went back to normal. So for the most part, you know, 2021 was the better year. I mean, it had some great moments, even though some were still uh, suffering from the pandemic. But, you know, at least I think we did better than we did the previous year. Thank goodness. 
No, I agree. I think it was a, it's a big, big improvement. I mean, even to get a chance to go to a venue to meet Evander Holyfield wasn't something that was in the works in 2020. It, yeah. wasn't, it wasn't even possible. So, you know, and I, I do see more and more events starting to pop up now, you know, which is exciting. I know that the NFL did are going to postpone a few of the games because of COVID outbreaks, but it's now like become the norm that those, these things do happen. So it's not really a surprise. No, and they'll make but it up later in the week. Or yeah, they'll make it up later in the week. I know it, it just kind of, you know, it, it's part of the, the life that we live in, but I do know that I did hear some of the players. I did hear that some of them were okay with it. Some of them were kind of barking at the fact that they're not going to get as much rest between this game and the next game. So you kind of get one of those type of things. Sometimes it benefits somebody, sometimes it doesn't. Right. What do you think, Aaron? Um, I mean, it's odd that uh, this is the first week of the year where there were supposed to be Saturday games, uh, two or three of them, and all of them are, are being uh, pushed back. Um, it's understandable. You know, you, you mentioned something there that I wanted to kind of piggyback on, too. Um, you know, a year ago, um, more towards the summer and the end of the summer and beginning of the fall, you couldn't buy tickets to go to a ball game. You couldn't go to an NFL game. You couldn't go to a, really to a college game yeah. for the most part. Um, same thing with Major League Baseball. It was very, very limited at the end of the year and mostly in the playoffs. So this year, and I went to a handful of games, uh, in, in a couple in Atlanta, a couple uh, during the spring, and then, of course, um, a couple of Tampa Bay Rays games uh, throughout the, the summer. And I think what it's become, as opposed to 2020, is, okay, we have this pandemic going on. We've learned how to manage our lives and manage the things that we do for entertainment around, you know, this pandemic that's been going on for about two years now. Um, as far as moving those games back, I understand the players are going to be upset about it. I mean, I would be too. You know, football especially is a tiring game. It's a very physical game. So having that lesser amount of time um, – to prepare for the following week is, is certainly there. And, you know, it's going to be interesting to see how that maybe affects a team making the playoffs, you know, how it impacts potentially someone who is, um, you know, got some injuries, um, you know, nagging injuries, if you will, that are, are bothering them. And then, you know, if somebody gets injured because of it. So those are all things that we have to, to keep in mind yeah. that could happen. Um, but, you know, these are, these are things we saw this happen last year, uh, probably, I don't know, a half dozen times where a game, I think it was Pittsburgh and I forget who they were playing last year, might have been Baltimore. That game got literally yeah. moved, I think, three or four times within like a week period. So, um, yes. you know, it's going to happen. It's uh, it's just it's part of the environment that we're in right now. Hopefully at some point this is all, all behind us in ancient history. Um, but it's the world we're in right now, so. Yeah, you're absolutely right. It's it's the way of the the way things are now. You gotta guess gotta go with the ebb and flow and you know, uh, one guest I really got I mean there's a lot of guests that stick out throughout the year that I really gotta thank, which I'll probably thank throughout the show today. But I gotta really thank uh Dallas Strawberry, as I mentioned him about him earlier. He really kick started the year. He came on and not only did he kick start the year, he came on in January, but it was kinda like a you're right, a downer moment because that was the same day that Hank Aaron passed away. But just to talk about it was kind of like mental therapy. So it it definitely was a 
soothing for the soul to talk to Daryl. You know, we talked to him for about 45 minutes on the show, and and uh, he really, really took a, a day that was a really a downer and turned it around, and he kind of kick-started our show for the year. It got us to a, a great, great start. You know, I got to give Daryl Strawberry a lot of props for that, and, and Daryl now, I consider him a friend. You know, he, we, you know we're friends, and and he'll, he'll like some of my, my posts on Facebook and vice versa. I like, every, you know, all his posts. But um, definitely big props and thank you to Daryl for coming on our show. And, and, and definitely uh, it really, really helped us out. And it was really something that stuck out because of the Hank and also the fact that it was right at the beginning of the year that he came on to start the year from where we didn't have really any, it was hard to get any guests because of the pandemic to, to getting somebody like Daryl to come on at the beginning of the year was outstanding. Yeah, absolutely. And I'll, I'll give you a little, uh, I guess, factoid or whatever you want to call it here tonight. You guys will probably be a little surprised at this. And, and Lou, you'll be even more surprised probably than even Alan is. Uh, as a kid, <laughs> as a kid I, I do have a, a Daryl Strawberry uh, signed uh, Rawlings bat actually sitting right behind me at my nice. at my uh, studio here. It's very nice. Got it for Christmas a few years ago. It's in a case. Um, I consider it one of my uh, prized possessions, if you will. As a kid, Daryl Strawberry is a tall guy, six foot six. Now, I'm not anywhere near that height. I'm about six two myself. But as a kid, I was always the the lanky, tall, you know, taller than everybody else in my uh, class type of kid. So a guy like Daryl Strawberry, who body type wise, he should be a basketball player. He was a baseball player. He kind of inspired me to to, to be be a ball player, be a baseball player. And as a kid, this is before I started following Atlanta. Um, I had a Mets shirt. I, I was a Daryl Strawberry fan mm. at heart. I, I didn't really have a I didn't really have a team that I followed, but I did I, I did have a Mets jersey. Right. And so playing in the backyard with my brother when I was probably six, seven, eight years old, you know, you remember the old days where you used to call, Hey, I'm I'm this person, I'm this person as a player, whether you're playing football or basketball or baseball, it would always be Daryl Strawberry. So um it was a neat thing to be able to right. talk to him at the beginning of the year and didn't get a chance to mention that to him, but I, I wanted to throw that out there now because that memory just kind of came back to me here. So, yeah, <laughs> yes, right. now I hate yeah. losing. So, <laughs> <laughs> right, of course. Yeah. <laughs> so, so Lou, what, what are your, some of your memories you had of twenty twenty one and both good and bad that kind of stuck out to you? Well, let's see. Um, got you got to take uh, in the. Uh, NCAA tournament, the uh, in the Final Four, Game Two, UCLA Gonzaga. What a what a game! That has to be, I think, the best most moment of the year. Wow. Gonzaga buzzer beater in, in, in overtime. Oof. That's that's a tough one. Um, yeah. What uh, about the, you, Aaron? U.S. Men's the U.S. men's basketball team winning the Olympics, which pretty much is going to happen, but still a great moment for the country. Yeah, that's yeah. a hard one to top right there. That's a hard one it to is. top. Um, you know, I mean, it, it's hard for me to – I mean, certainly bias here. Um, <laughs> hard, it's hard for me to not go back uh, six, seven weeks ago to Atlanta winning the World Series. I mean, they were an underdog pretty much every series they were in. Um you know, just just from that standpoint alone, it'd be one thing to have gone in as a as a favorite, uh, 
But, I mean, even after the World Series was over, it, Milwaukee wasn't as much talked about because they're not a national popularity. They are not a powerhouse team. They've been to the playoffs a few times. But you, you had to beat the Dodgers in round two. And it was almost like every night, not that Atlanta had played well. It was all about, oh, the Dodgers didn't do this right or that right, and that allowed Atlanta to win. And the same thing for the most part happened in the in the World Series against Houston until they finally, you know, closed them out. So um, I would say that about any underdog team um, in any playoff series, in any sport. Um, and I think that <laughs> I know this is probably going back a little ways and maybe it's not the best comparison, but, you know, I think back to 2004 in the NBA when Detroit uh, knocked off the Lakers and nobody saw that coming. Nobody thought that was a possibility. Everybody was like the Lakers, they kind of collapsed and let the let the, the Pistons win. I kind of felt like the media coverage of the World Series was kind of that same way. So, um, but uh, that, that's my biggest moment this year. I think that you could also look at, and stealing yours from me, Alan, but Tampa winning the Super Bowl, uh, that would be another really good uh, good pick there um, to win it at home, their first team ever to play in their home stadium in a Super Bowl. So, um a lot of really great moments uh, throughout this year, um, you know, and, you know, we got a whole other year about to start here where we're going to have more, you know, more champions to talk about and, and more, you know, surprises on the positive, surprises on the negative, and, you know, that's what we do here, so. <laughs> no, you're right, and, and yeah, you did you yeah. did take mine up. Definitely with the Bucks winning the Super Bowl in home at their home stadium, something that's never been done in the history of the NFL to me was, was the big moment and and coincidentally, you know, ironically, I had paid tribute because of the Bucks winning the Super Bowl. I had paid tribute on Facebook to a friend of mine, a late friend, Alfonso Howard, who passed away and he was the biggest, biggest Bucks fan that I have ever actually ever met. He was bar none the biggest Bucks fan, and he was a big Bucks fan. He passed away and a few years ago, and and for the Bucks to win, I was really really excited. The way they won, the win at home, I put a post up about you know how Alfonso would be so happy of them winning the Bucks. I know he's looking down from heaven and he's happy. And coincidentally, ironically, Daryl Strawberry liked that post. You know, it just. It's just ironic, but it wasn't really to get, you know, fanfare or anything, but it had a lot of likes, but it really was for dedicating that win to Alfonso because I know he would have been extremely happy about the Bucks winning a Super Bowl in their home stadium, something that's never been done before. So to me, that, that was the highlight. I mean, it was a lot of great moments in sports, don't get me wrong, in 2021. And there, there was actually one with Steph just breaking the – three-point record that just happened a few days ago. Yeah. Yeah. So there's still a lot of great moments that happened in 2021, but the one that, that I guess emotionally really stuck out to me was when the Bucks won the Super Bowl in 2021. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a hard moment to top, and you got to keep in mind, too, that Tom Brady at that point, um, he'd already held the record, but he, he added to his, his 10th Super Bowl appearance, his seventh win. And he became just the second quarterback to win a Super Bowl with two different franchises, uh, Peyton Manning, of course, uh, being the other. And ironically, the night we talked about this, or the, 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 the Friday that we talked about this, was the same night Chip Carey was on, uh, which uh, was back in February. So um, kind of neat how that all tied together there. 
Yeah, it just it just <laughs> it just it just really just was a, a great year, definitely, and we're looking forward to twenty twenty two and and it just it keeps me motivated to keep going because of these great memories that you know just doing this show right now recapping how things went in 2021 and some of the great moments we had and you know Lou being a part of the show and yourself Aaron it's it's been it's been man I, I can't believe it's only year two it, it feels like we've been doing this for a long time already in a good way stay with me yeah, <laughs> exactly yeah <laughs> And I think, Lou, the first time we heard from you was uh, probably right about a year ago, if I remember correctly, was when you made your first uh, appearance. Might have been a little over a year ago, but... um, Something like that, I guess. Yeah. And, and Lou... What a year it's been, yeah. It has been. It sounds like your spirits are more up. I remember throughout the year, you were kind of like waffling whether you should continue. You seemed a little down. How are your thoughts now? Better. Uh, I just hope that you know the, the little thing. Can, I got to update my computer by the end, by the middle of next year. But we got time before that happens. Yeah, I, you know, yeah, you got time. That's, that's no problem. We can take we can take care of that easily. That's no problem there. Worst comes worst when they get a new computer. That's all. But overall, <laughs> you know, I have a better year. You know, now that everything is all all uh, set. You know, I had some problems with. Um, I had some problems, you know, early in the year uh, with setting up with setting up with the service and whatnot, and I didn't know what to do. So, so um, you know, we got that all straightened out, though. Well, that's a blessing. That's good. And don't worry about the computer. I, I need a new computer too. My my travel laptop is boy, it's so slow. Anytime I take that laptop with me, I'm like really running a risk of something not happening, working good because it's very slow. Uh-huh. I tried deleting a lot of software. I need to get somebody to check it out or get a new laptop too. So I'm <laughs> not the one at home. The one I usually travel with is really slow. So <laughs> that's the great thing about this show is that you learn from your wins, but you also learn from things that didn't go as well as you hoped it did to get better. Right. So <laughs> it's kind of like you feel like you're an athlete where you're working hard to get better every show. Yeah. But at least, you know, at least I can put that aside. Everything is better now. And, you know, it's the last show of the season tomorrow. And uh, hopefully it's going to go out with a bang. That's right. That's the spirit. It's, it's going to go out with a bang. That's a, It's the last show of the year. It'll be, you know, December 18th. So what do you have uh, planned for the last show? Well, we got a lot of football to talk about. We got to talk about the uh, part two of the bowl game schedule, the uh, postseason awards, and uh, I'll, answer, I'll answer the question: Did the um, did they make the right call of the Heisman Trophy winner? Because I had a lot of controversy about that last week. Oh boy! So it's going to be under the headline of "Boy, do we feel stupid." Uh, we'll also do the NFL. We also do NFL predictions, um, even the, the updated version, of course. Uh, we'll also check on um, any major talks with the um, baseball lockout. There was a dialogue between the players and the owners today, only on minor issues. I think this might drag into 2022. Uh, I don't know for how long, but it looks like it might drag into it. And we'll take care of some UFC unboxing and all the other stuff. And, of course, um, thoughts on the um, well Christmas holiday wishes and uh, hopefully what to look forward to in the next year. So, uh, same time tomorrow, 5 to 7. Number to call is 
5434662 as the Enhanced Sports Show as we wrap up, well, my fourth year as host of the series and hope and we look forward to everybody calling in when we start again in January. There you go. That's right, the Enhanced Sports Show, yeah. 512-543-4662. That's right, fourth year running. So we got two years for us in the books. And yeah. definitely many more years to go. I feel like we're just getting started. I'm having so much fun. How about you, Lou? I never, I never thought it was going to last this long. To be honest, I never, I, I didn't, I didn't think it ever last this long. You know, doing something like this nationally, I thought it was going to be one and done. <laughs> I, didn't, yeah, I mean, I, I always, I, I always want to do something like this, but I never really thought I was that good. There you go. Never know till you try. There you go. You know, that's that's the that's the wonderful thing about this show. And I didn't think I was gonna be one and done here, but I, I you know, I didn't know what to expect. I didn't have any expectations. I was like, let's just roll with it and see what happens. Yeah. And, well, and, remember I started you know, I started out calling in, you know, I you know I somebody approached me about uh, calling into the show and so I did um, I did that one uh, one Saturday back in March. I didn't expect much. I expected just a uh, quick 15-minute uh, call, and that was it. And then we never heard from him again. Little did I know that is that want to be a regular and all that, and then became a substitute host, co-host on another series. And then 2018, uh, I got the chance to take over the show, and now it's nearly four years in as as the host. I mean, uh, Vern Lund, Vern said best. Dreams do come true. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Dreams do come true. That's exactly right. They do. Boy, that's yeah. that's yeah. Well, I feel like I'm living a dream. How about I you? Do, I can do worse. I can do worse than that, though. <laughs> I can do worse. I I was gonna say, Alan. I feel the same way as far as you know. You know, this is more than I expected. You know, when we first got this started, I, I anticipated a. I didn't know where it was gonna go. Um, yeah. Didn't know, and and honestly, you know, we we early on there was couple points where it looked like it wasn't going to really go anywhere. It was kind of like we we would have, especially because the sports world being so so closed down, but, you know, we would kind of get the, the, the yeah. stuff started, and and sometimes there were things that didn't materialize, and you go through those growing pains, especially when you're starting from scratch like we did. Um, I can remember our very, very first podcast. Um, <laughs> Alan, I, I'm not going to say the name of the establishment. No, I was a, when I first did my uh, first uh, show as a substitute, I was a wreck. <laughs> I didn't know how to work the controls or nothing, you know. I mean, because this was like radio on a whole different level, and I didn't know what I was doing. Like, help me. I mean, I almost, I, I almost gave up in the first five minutes. But, you our, know, our first, I like I got some backup help. And, uh, yeah. Thankfully. We, we had a lot of help uh, from uh, our good yeah. friend Matt, um, who has had his yeah. own podcast for the last, I don't know, seven or eight years. And I actually got my experience from – from starting out with him, I produced um, part of his show yeah. in 2019, and I co-hosted uh, as well uh, a handful of times throughout the 2019 year. Might have even been 2018 now that I think about it. But um, you know, there was a few things that didn't materialize up front. I was about to say there a moment ago. You know, Alan, our first show, I believe it was late March of, of 20, 2020, um, right as the pandemic was shutting everything down. We went into a um, a local establishment uh restaurant and i remember us asking the manager for permission to do our podcast there and it was a recorded one we didn't actually do it live it was recorded and then 
uploaded and then sent to uh, our friend who then turned around and put it onto his network. And that was kind of the beginning. Um, anybody who hears that one, there's all kinds of errors I'm sure in there. So yeah. <laughs> we didn't really know what we were doing. It's kind of an experiment. So, um, but no, we've had a lot of fun, um, you know, on air gas. We've mispronounced people's names. We've, you know, I mean, same a couple here, weeks ago, same here. Yep. A couple weeks ago, we were at right at the end of the show within the last 10 minutes or so. And all of a sudden, um, you know, the connection that I had had, had shut off. So um, those are things that are going to happen. You know, we're just, we're here I to have fun. I'm sure, and, guys, I'm expecting, a, I'm expecting a call for, a, for, a, for another uh, podcasting uh, uh, person. So um, I'll leave it at that. i try to call the show tomorrow if you can. You know, I agree. I appreciate because it's the last show of the year. So I hope you can make it. Other than that, uh, Merry Christmas and hope to talk to you in the, um, in the next in the year to come. On that note, yeah. good night. Have a good night. Happy, happy New Year. Happy New Year and Merry Thanks. Christmas. Happy sure. New Year and Merry Christmas uh, as well, Lou. <laughs> Thank, you. Thank you. Thank you for calling, Lou. We appreciate you. All and, right. Uh, that's our good buddy. Good buddy, Lou, from the New York area. Always has some good stuff to talk about. Um, certainly have appreciated him coming on. Um, kind of, you know, keeps us entertained. And, um, you know, that's always a good thing to have a, a third perspective uh you know when we're talking about sports so um alan you kind of hinted at this uh as we were kind of getting into the uh beginning of our you know show here tonight big stuff happened the other day in jacksonville with urban meyer this has been one disaster after another um (laughs) tell me your (laughs) thoughts and i'll go through mine as well It has been a disaster. I did not expect it to go this poorly for Urban Meyer, considering he definitely had a golden opportunity to take this organization to another level. What I mean by that is typically when you're a coach, even if you're not Urban Meyer, you don't usually come into a situation where you can have all of your coaches you choose. You don't have a situation where you get the first-round draft pick come to your team and everything lined up for you and basically an owner who's giving you the keys to the Bentley and just said, please help us. And that's the situation Urban Meyer basically was, was gifted. And I say gifted because there was other candidates that were actually way ahead of Urban Meyer in, you know, considering this is an NFL job, people who've actually had NFL experience, that were way ahead of Urban Meyer, Urban Meyer got this opportunity. And what does he do? He gets the opportunity. First thing you got to do, he runs it like he's running a college team. There's one thing that I always tell my wife, and sometimes we get into things about the little squabble. I always tell her, always know your audience. When you're talking, always know who you're talking to and understand that because that's who you are basically – going to direct what you're going to say and how you're going to act. Know your audience. Urban Meyer came in the situation thinking that this is college and I'm going to treat pros as if they are college boys, and they're not. These are grown men who, yes, they need you, but it's not like you're the college coach who can totally ruin their career. If you don't play them or you talk bad about them, you can basically, in a sense, nip it in a bud. You have a lot more power in college over a player. NFL is not that way. But that's how he ran 
the organization. And then I watched a game early in the year where he was basically just running the same run pass option with Trevor Lawrence. And I'm like, first of all, I figured out what you're doing in the first half. And yes, sometimes it was effective, but it was basically a repeat of what you did with Tim Tebow. And I'm like, this is not going to work, number one, because guys are going to figure this out in the NFL just even sooner than I did, and I'm not an NFL coach. And then second of all, you're going to get your first-round draft pick killed, man. You can't have a run all the time. So lo and behold, he just kept doing more of the same. He started having these things where – then I think where he really took – went from bad to worse was that situation that happened in Ohio where he didn't travel with the team, decided to stay, stay in Ohio, and then gets caught – you know, get with the lap dance with a young college girl. And it just kind of got worse and worse and worse. Too many distractions, too many side things, calling your assistant coach losers where there's smoke, there's fire. There was too many situations where he denied it, but it was just a free fall. And the the last thing I want to say about it is, you know, the cherry on the top that tells me that guys were hoping that he lost was the fact that when he got dismissed and got fired, they were given a peace sign to like multiple players to their agent. So they were not unhappy to see him go. It was really, he lost the locker room and it's really upsetting about how poor of a job Urban Meyer did. One of the things that you got to check out when it comes to hiring any coach is their character. And unfortunately he did not show good character on this. He, I think he could have done a lot better job. I think he has the talent to do it, but he just didn't show it. And if you're going to come out of retirement to do something, your heart got to be in it. Otherwise, you're going to get this type of result. So that's my take on Urban Meyer. What is your take on Aaron? I really want to hear yours. Yeah, I, I feel very similar. Um, I would point out some, some other aspects of it as well. Um, I understand why um, I think it's Chuck Khan, who, or Chuck Khan, however you say his first name, uh, who owns the Jaguars. I understand completely why, from a resume standpoint, why Urban Meyer was the guy they went for. Cation makes sense. You're in Jacksonville, Florida. A lot of Florida Gator fans where Urban Meyer coached for six years and won two national titles, live within two hours of Jacksonville. So there was that. Um, there's also what he did at Ohio State. He won a national title there too. He has really, if you look at his coaching resume up until this year, the second year that he's been with every team he's had, he was at Bowling Green, uh, Utah, Florida, and, of course, Ohio State. That second year is the year that everything kind of turns around. Now, I didn't think they were going to be a very good team this year. I, and, and I'm, I'm 100% confident in saying he didn't get fired because they were 2-11 and 11 or 2-12 and 12 or whatever they are now. Um, that was expected. This was a bad team that he took over. They hired him because they looked at the – corporate side of it. Hey, this is a guy who has all his ducks in a row. Um, we can expect uniformity. And he didn't deliver on any of those things. In fact, he was exactly the opposite. And I would actually make the argument that he's a great coach. Don't get me wrong. And I, I, I'm a Florida Gator fan, so I can't thank Urban Meyer enough for the six great years he put up at Florida, the two national titles. That's, I mean, that's a great thing for, for the program that I root for. But there was, and this stuff that came out after he left Florida, and it also came out after he left Ohio State, there, there's some things about him that didn't get out. 
and you look at some of the legal problems some of the players had that he failed to discipline. Aaron Hernandez is a good example. I don't even need to get into all that. Had Urban Meyer been the coach that he should have been in terms of coaching people's character uh, 10, 11, 12 years ago at Florida, Aaron Hernandez would have been kicked off that team. He would have been considered a distraction, but Urban Meyer put talent over character. And then, unfortunately, he played that out in his own situation there at at Jacksonville. His own character flaws um, were just multiplied by a 1,000 underneath the microscope in the NFL. Some of those things, you're not going to have them completely swept under the bus or under the rug, rather, at uh, at a major college program like Florida or Ohio State. But it's not going to get out there as much because the players – you know, they, they're, they're, they're not going to talk quite as much as the NFL guys. The NFL guys are like, hey, I'm getting paid. I can run my mouth as much as I want. <laughs> you know, if you cut me, I'm still getting paid. So I look at it this way. I looked at the Jaguars, and I thought, you know, they're probably going to have a really rough year. Usually when you had the number one overall pick in the draft, that first year after that, it's still going to be a rough year. You're not typically going to turn it around right away. Um so I don't think he got fired at all for the record. I think this was expected to be a rough year, a building year. But the problem is, is you know, you talked about the thing that happened in Ohio earlier this year. Probably should have fired him right then and there. But obviously, you know, hey, I'm going to give you a second chance. You know, maybe this is just nerves or whatever. But it really came down to you're not the guy we thought we hired. You know, you're – your character has to be higher than the character that you expect of your own players for the most part. That needs to be the bar. And when you set the bar as low as he ended up setting it and then actually going underneath that, well, here's the end result. And there was so much dysfunction in Jacksonville. Um, you know, play, forget play calling. That stuff doesn't even matter at this point. It's, it's, you got to do the other things right first. You got to have that foundation of having a good character, hiring all the right people, and I don't know about his coaching staff uh, for the most part, but, um, you know, the dysfunction at the end there, it's just, it is surprising to me. This is probably the biggest sports surprise of things that he didn't expect to happen this year. Now, maybe if, if they'd had another bad year next year and uh, so this stuff would happen, yeah, I could see them saying, hey, we're going to move on. Um, but uh, I had sent, uh, you and I had talked off, uh, off air I think there's some really good candidates that are going to come out for, for Jacksonville. And I think the Jaguars are going to be in pretty good position. I don't think that they've, you know, hurt themselves growth-wise any more than they already were going to be hurting anyways. Now they've made this move. This just allows them to actually get a head start on 2022, 2023, and, and beyond. And they're going to have a high pick in the draft next year now because of this bad year. So maybe they go out and get another big weapon for Trevor Lawrence to throw to, maybe a good running back in there somewhere. Maybe they pick up a big player on defense, but I think the Jaguars will, you know, not necessarily win loss record wise, but I think they're going to, they're going to find a guy with that good character. And I think it's going to be a, a good building process for them over the next couple of years. Yeah, I do. I agree. I think they're going to have a, they're going to be fine. They have a young, very good team. And besides some of the questionable play calling that I felt they did, you know, I've actually watched a few of their games. They actually do have pretty good talent. You know, they the young team, but I think with the right coach, the right mindset, the right culture, 
they have a lot of great things there. They have a lot of guys that are really looking to win, which is good because they're not just going through the motions, just playing a game. They they actually you could tell by their their reactions. They they wanted Urban Meyer to work. They wanted this situation to work in their favor. I think the players are surprised too that it was so dysfunctional. There was reports where you know Urban Meyer kicked kicked someone and then <laughs> kicked his kicker of all people saying that you should make your kicks. And then he or my kicked him and allegedly kicked him and they said and the guy's like, hey, don't kick me again, the kicker. Like, hey, I'm the, and then Ermine said something egotistical, said, Well I'm the head coach. I kick you if I want to kick you. You know, so that's allegedly what happened. And there's been a there's been a quite a few things and you know, those those things, um, unfortunately, this is a wake-up call for if you're trying to be an NFL coach that when you're an NFL head coach, there's not much that's going to get swept underneath the rug. So you yeah. have to be high character, high class, and keep your P's and Q's on at all times because everybody, players are watching your move, your character, seeing if you're really the real deal or you're just selling them something you, you you want them to do something that you're not willing to do yourself. And that's being held accountable and being a class act and having good character. So you have a lot of players watching. You have coach, other co-coaches watching you. You have other people from the league watching you. You're being watched. So you have to put your best foot forward at all times. Cannot just uh, have a, a – drink at the bar, hanging out with girls, and then it's not going to get noticed, especially in this day and age, too, where everybody has a cell phone. You know what I mean? You might get away with it once, possibly once, but don't count on it. And you got to have high character. And the thing about it is if you want to win in the NFL, you got to remember that you are, are dealing with men, not boys. They, you know what I'm saying? You want them to buy into your situation, but you also have to be a guy that can be a great example at all times. It's not an easy gig. That's why you get paid a lot of money, but it is a situation that you can make the most of it. And I, I wish Urban Meyer the best. I do agree that what some of the people have said that I think his, his NFL coaching career is over. I, I wouldn't, if I was a GM or owner of a team, I wouldn't give another opportunity. What are your thoughts on that, that part of it, Aaron? Well, I, I think he hopefully is smart enough to realize that this, it, you know, he, he's he's not going to get a second chance on this to, to have it fall apart as quickly as it did, um, you know. And I, I sent you that meme yesterday, you know, hey, you got any more of those college coaching jobs? I, I really think <laughs> if he could go back about two or three weeks, um, you know, Notre Dame would have been a perfect fit for him. You know, he's 57 now, so I'm not sure. I mean, he's not too old to coach again, but he's got a great college legacy I, I think if he wanted to get back into coaching um just thinking about the job uh landscape right now um two of the jobs that he was uh a year or more maybe a year year and a half ago rumored to be um interested in or actually just one um usc they hired of course uh uh lincoln riley from the, uh from oklahoma here two three weeks ago so you know, that's not going to happen. I suppose if things don't work out for Steve Sarkeesian at Texas this next year, what a disaster that was here in 2021 at, at Texas. Um, 
I suppose there's a chance that Texas could shell out a ton of money for Urban Meyer. Um, you know, that's a program that, you know, you think about Texas football. I mean, that's a, that's a top 10, should be a top 10 program in the country. And it has really kind of fallen on harder times here the last few years. I, I don't think he's done coaching. I certainly do not think he's going to go back to the NFL. And if he ever did, and I think this is like a 0.01% chance that it would happen, it would be a team that's already established, not a team that's trying to establish itself. Um, that's always one of the things I look at when you look at a coach or like a baseball manager. How well did that guy do managing a team or coaching a team that was building versus how good did that guy do with a team that he was handed? You could use Barry Switzer as an example. Barry Switzer was a good college coach. He got handed the keys to a great situation in Dallas in 94, 95, a team that had won two Super Bowls in a row. And Jimmy Johnson is the guy who really built that team. He handed him that great team that he had there. And then, you know, Barry Switzer won with the last couple of years of that, you know, core of players there. And then when they started to rebuild, it wasn't very good looking at that point. So, so I, I think if he was ever going to get back into the NFL, it would have to be a, an established team that maybe just couldn't quite get over the hump. Um, you know, I, I just, I, I think, I think he's smart enough at this point to have learned, Hey, you know what? I'm not going to, I'm not going to go that direction again. But I wouldn't be shocked. I'm going to throw out a couple of schools here that might have openings in a year or two uh, over the next two years, college-wise. Um, certainly, Texas is right on the top of that list. Um, so I think there's a, a potential that that could happen. Um, this is one I don't want to see happen, but, again, it could potentially pop up. Florida State, you know, they're starting to head in the right direction, but they're still kind of, you know, teetering on, you know, not not getting there. Um you know, I think about um, maybe a couple other places around, you know, the country. I'm trying to think of another school that might might have some interest. You know, most of the big – this is a big offseason for college coaches changes, um, to be quite honest. So, I don't know if there's really any other opportunities outside of those ones. Maybe there's a surprise in there somewhere we're not aware of. But um, he might have missed might have missed the window. Maybe he is done. Who knows? Yeah, I think I think it's uh, I think it's pretty much wrap. I think he might still get an opportunity because of the name and who he is and his past performance. But I I don't think it's gonna be the NFL. I think it would be a coaching job possibly in college football. I could see him getting a gig there. But boy, what a disaster there, uh, <laughs> you know. But um, my question to you, kind of off topic, is that we're putting a wrap on 2021, you know, this name came to my mind because he was, he was uh, supporting Stephen Curry for making a three point. And that's Barry Bonds. Do you think Barry Bonds, you're the, the baseball guru. Do you think he gets voted in in his last year eligibility in the hall of fame? I don't, I don't think so. No. Um, I think the indicator for that, and I don't, I don't have the exact stats in front of me, but usually you can tell when a guy is getting close. Usually the last two to three years of their eligibility um, by, the, by the normal standard process, of course, not the, not the Veterans Committee, but the, the normal Writers Association uh, part of it. Usually if a guy is going to get in, there's a pretty big jump or a spike in 
voting percentage the last two to three years before their final year. And I don't know, again, what the exact numbers are, but I don't think it's big enough to say, hey, he's going to make that jump. Um, and, you know, I mean, obviously, you can make the argument both ways. I, I, I think Barry Bonds, with, with you, know, you talk about whether smoke or fire, he never failed a test, or he never, he never failed a test publicly. Um, there was enough visual evidence. I think it's pretty clear that he probably did do something. Um, I think that the unfortunate thing is in that era, which that era is pretty much over at this point, all it took really was some speculation for the most part. Speculation, changes in your body, and maybe some of your numbers increasing, and that was all it really took to to, um, to get you blacklisted in a sense. And the same thing happened to Roger Clemens. I mean, um, you know, the, the, the way that they're, you know, 40 years old. I mean, I'm 40 years old myself, and I think how, how in the world are these guys playing at such a high level at 40? So, you know, again, that doesn't prove anything. doesn't prove that they did or didn't do something. But, again, there was enough talk, enough uh, people who had inside knowledge. So I think if either one of those guys, because they're both uh, in the same class of uh, – of, uh, they're basically the same age, and they're in the same class of, of um, being on the ballot – I think uh, both of them will have to, if they ever get in at all, will have to wait for the Veterans Committee to, to vote them in in the future. Oh, wow. So you think last year from their standpoint, even though Barry has gone up, you know, every year, the last few years, still a way off, but he has been an uptick every year. I don't know if he gets to 75, but it has been increasing. You don't think there's enough of the guys going to be like, hey, let's vote for him the last year? No, I, I don't because, you know, if they got to, you know, let's say 65, 68, um, that would be considerable territory. But I, I use Mark McGuire as a, as a template. You know, Mark McGuire and Barry Bonds were two very similar players um, in, in terms of what their statures were. I would make the argument when Maguire retired in 2001, I think it was his final year, 20 years ago, he had 583 home runs in his career at 38. And you look at his last two years, 2000 and 2001, he only played, I want to say, probably about maybe 140 games in those two years combined. So if he'd been able to stay healthy those two years and continue his career into 02, 03, 04, he might have hit 775 home runs. He might have held the all-time record. So I think that there's a lot of similarities, and I, I would use bon, uh, McGuire as a template for, for Bonds not getting in. Um, you know, I, and, you know, it'd be great if, if, if Bonds and Clemens admitted they did something. I mean, and I don't think it's going to change the, the outcome uh, of getting in. Look at another guy, Rafael Palmero. You know, <laughs> this is a guy who literally lied to Congress. I did not – and had never taken steroids. And then six months later, he's, uh, you know, getting suspended for, for doing it. So um, I think those guys, my personal opinion, and, and Mark McGuire was, again, one of my other really favorite players as a kid. I love seeing this guy hit home runs 500 feet. Um, he was just a, a fun guy to watch. Barry Bonds, same thing. Superstar athlete, great player. Um, you know, would have loved to have him on my team. I think guys who – had a lot of smoke around them where there was almost fire you could see or 
guys who did fail a test or guys who admitted like McGuire did that they did it. To me, if they're going to get in, it's got to be the hard way. They got to wait if they're ever going to get in at all. That's just my personal view on it. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think you're right. They're going to have to get in the hard way and they released the, the ballots on Monday. I wasn't able to find this and you have to have 75% of the ballots to gain induction. The closest one was Kurt Schilling, who had 71.1%. And it was his final year of the ballot, Kurt Schilling. The results were released on Monday. Barry Bonds did fall a little short in his 10th year, 61.8. And so did Roger Clemens, 61.6. So they did go up a bit, but not enough to get in. And that mm-hmm. was their final year, to your point, to get in. Wow. Jim Cott got in. Gil Hodges. Minnie Minnesota. Minnie Minoso. Yeah. Minoso. Yep. yep. And Tony Oliva. But uh, definitely Jim Cott should have been in there a long time ago. I'm surprised it took him that long. Yeah. See, that's the Veterans Committee. So that is a committee of, I believe it is 16 people. And I forget where that committee is set up from. But it's the same 75% criteria and it's it was a little confusing when this first started i don't know seven eight years ago because you had uh joe tory bobby cox and tony larusa who all retired from managing all within about a year of each other and normally it's a five-year wait to get into hall of fame all three of those guys i believe went in in 2014 so they were all going into the hall of fame less than five years after ending their uh careers as managers and um, you know, it was the Veterans Committee that voted those guys in. So that's a nice thing to see that happen. I'm not sure if that's going to allow the, uh, any of those players to get in either because if you think about it this way, it's the same percentage you have to have. So there's nothing to change in there as far as, you know, 75%. you got to have 12 people vote for you out of 16. Now with the writers voting on the normal 10 years on the ballot, I want to say there's like 160 writers so you've got a lot more, it might, and it might be more than that, I'm not really sure. Um, you've got to have a lot more people voting for you, but you could have more people who don't like you and still somehow get in. So I think that the, the chances are still there because they could technically be on that ballot for a long time. Um, but uh, I, I think that's the only way, same thing for Pete Rose, that's the only way you're ever going to see, of course he would have to have baseball unban him um, at that point, but that's the only way I think you're going to see those guys get in is because of that and because of the, the you know, the, the, the clouds around them from the steroid era and the, the PED era, just like Manny Ramirez. And, you know, you can name off a handful of other guys, Andy Pettit. Um, there's probably a few names that I'm, I'm not mentioning that I've forgotten about. Uh, Rafael Palmero, um, Sammy Sosa. Um, those guys are, are not going to get in on – you know, the, the normal way, and they may not get in in their lifetime, at least uh, the, the Veterans Committee way. And the sad thing for, for me on that is not for those guys. It's for guys like Fred McGriff. You know, Fred McGriff was one of my favorite players as a kid, especially those couple of years he played in Atlanta. Um, you know, the, the automatic, Alan, for the Hall of Fame, typically for a, a batter, 500 home runs is almost a, a surefire way to get into the Hall of Fame. 3,000 hits, 300 wins. You know, those are all kind of automatic numbers for the most part. Fred McGriff had 493 home runs. And you're telling me seven home runs is what's kept him out of the Hall of Fame. I just think that's ridiculous. Um, 
I, I, I'm going to advocate for him just like Dale Murphy um, for the rest of my life. I think those are guys that belong in. I think Kurt Schilling belongs in too. I know you mentioned his name before. I think with what he did in the postseason is one of the best pitchers in the history of the game in the playoffs. I think he belongs in the Hall of Fame. So uh, that's just yeah. one man's opinion. <laughs> just missed it too. It's yeah, you kind of feel bad for Kurt. You really, you're right about that. I mean, to to get that close, and I mean, he definitely had the closest votes, you know, in his tenth year, seventy one point one percent. Barry Bonds is is almost ten points behind him, sixty one point eight and sixty one point yeah. six for Roger. Yeah, but uh, Scott Rowland, also, Scott. Uh, go ahead. I'm sorry. <laughs> I was gonna say Scott Rowland has a shot. He's his fifth year. He got fifty two point nine, and Omar Vizquel's fifth year forty nine point one. So, I would say they have a better shot at it. I agree. And then uh, I'll throw another name out there to you that I think is either on the ballot for the first time, or he will be in the next year or so. And he's a definite no for me too. And that's Alex Rodriguez. Um, yeah. Talk about, I mean, overwhelming evidence on two, maybe even three occasions that he was juicing. Um, and Major League Baseball, actually, fr- from the reports that I heard in 20, it was either 2013 or 2014, they had enough evidence back then on him. They could have banned him for life then, and that would have been the end of it. Um, and I think they kind of forced him, and the Yankees organization kind of forced him into, we're going to kind of sweep this under the rug. Um, we're going to you know, force you to retire. It saved the money for the Yankees, I believe, is something to that effect. I, I may be wrong, so Yankee fans don't hate me if I'm wrong on that. But um, that was a disaster at the end, and then his ego came into it, and it just was a huge, huge disaster. You know, you talk about people with class. <laughs> I'm going to give a, a distinction of two people who are completely the opposite, and one guy that I admired his entire career, regardless of whether he played for a team I liked or not, and that was Derek Jeter. Derek Jeter did things the classy way, the right way, and A-Rod, as you know, has been revealed over the last several years, he was exactly the opposite. He was full of himself, um, cheated and got caught and then lied about it. So, um, you know, I don't think uh, A-Rod belongs in the Hall of Fame either, but that's just my opinion. No, I'd have to agree with you on that wholeheartedly, and that's upsetting for me for, for being a Yankee fan and knowing how talented Alex Rodriguez is. But Alex's story really is about ego. His sensational ego really, really hurt his credibility and his career. And, you know, I like Alex Rodriguez. I actually think Alex Rodriguez, having said that, is very fan-friendly. He actually will sign autographs. This is even prior to all the stuff coming out. He was very fan-friendly. He actually would sign an autograph. He's actually very good with that. He's actually better than, than a lot of people don't realize this. He's actually better with sort of signing autographs than Derek Jeter will probably ever be. He's very fan-friendly, Alex. Having said yeah. that, baseball talent, he's got phenomenal talent, and he is a gifted ball player and he should have been in the hall of fame had he not do all of this stuff what i mean by all the stuff i watched his documentary i watched some of the stuff this 
Alex Rodriguez failed two drug tests. Number one, it's not like Barry. You actually got caught twice. You know, yeah. Barry, it's a lot of hypotheticals. And yes, there's a lot of smoke there. When I said that before, there's a lot of smoke, there's fire. But he never actually failed the test. Alex yeah. failed two And then not only did he fail the two tests, if you watch the documentary, he went as to go so far into tampering with the evidence, paying people off, trying to get samples of blood from other people to clear his name. I mean, this guy really went through the hoops, had people that he paid to show up at the court office to make it seem like they're regular fans rooting for him. This guy is, is dirty. And somebody with Alex's money is probably not a good thing because he has money and fame at his disposal and can kind of move things along like he's a pawn. And even even in the Balco scandal, the guy that was helping him out even called him egotistical in the documentary because he's got a huge <laughs> ego. I mean, yeah. it's just it's just Alex, in my opinion, if me having a vote, Alex would not even get consideration for me to get a vote to go into the Hall of Fame. He wouldn't even get consideration. I would consider if if I had an opportunity and I was a and my vote counted, which you know. Hey, you know, our show's doing big things. You just never know, Aaron. We might get on the ballot. <laughs> <laughs> I would not consider Alex at all. I would consider if, if you know, if Barry was on the ballot, it would be a tough thing for me to think about because I look at Barry Bond as, yeah, there is, there's a good possibility you may have done something. But to me, the stat that really stands out for Barry that would get a vote would be the 500 home runs, as you mentioned, and 500 steals. He's the only player to have done that. And I don't think that was because of steroids. You take 250 home runs off, 500 home runs and 500 steals, you're getting in first ballot. And that's Barry, the only person to do that. So I do think he may have possibly done something allegedly towards the end of his career. I don't think Barry done something throughout his entire career. Yeah, and he never did you can look at his body right. as he got to mid thirties and he just, he was so much um, thicker or bigger, however you want to look at it. He, he, you know, his hat size changed. I mean, he was, he was a much bigger uh, head. Um, those are the things that I think a lot of people would point out as far as like facts, uh, as far, you know, obviously again, he never failed a test. You're absolutely right about that. Um, but I tell you what, the two guys we're talking about right now, Alex Rodriguez and Barry Bonds, if we just take away the smoke and the fire and all that stuff, I would say this about Alex Rodriguez and his ego too. But both of those guys have big egos, of course, <laughs> as we know. <laughs> Alex Rodriguez, I mean, talent-wise, could make a legitimate argument that he is the most talented player to ever play the game, even greater than his former teammate, Ken Griffey Jr., Coming up and hitting 40 home runs at age, what, 19 or 20 in, in 1996, um, you know, I mean, that's unheard of. We've had some other guys that have come up and put up big numbers or, you know, at a young age, but not to the consistency of him. He had a 40-40 season at age 20. I mean, that, that's or might, might have been 21. That's incredible. Um, number one overall pick in 1993. Uh, you look at, uh, you know, 696 home runs in his career, 3,200 hits, um, multiple MVP awards, but 
course, there's all this other stuff that was going on. And I even saw a documentary once on – it was something that was put out on YouTube. I'll have to go back and research it again. But that declared that he was doing some of this cheating stuff way back even in high school. So, um, you know, obviously it's not what we're seeing on the surface. For, for Bonds, you know, as far as talent, I mean, this is a guy – and again – Anyone who has listened to this program for more than two or three weeks knows how much of a Braves fan I am. In 1992, prior to that season starting, Barry Bonds was going into his final year with the Pirates. It was last year of his contract. It was pretty well known that he was probably not going to stick around. That team was getting ready to basically not be very good after that year was over. And during spring training of that year, the Pirates actually agreed to trade Barry Bonds to Atlanta. The deal was finalized, and when Pirates manager Jim Leland found out about it, he went to Pirates GM uh, at the time, which was Ted Simmons, who just got inducted into the Hall of Fame here a few months ago. Uh, He went to Ted Simmons and pitched a royal fit and said, no, this is absolutely not happening, and they called the deal off before they had actually signed on it. And I I always wonder this. I, I think this is one of the most fascinating things to think about in the sports world. What would have been different had Barry Bonds gone to Atlanta? You think about all the different dominoes that would have fallen in different directions. I think about it myself. Greg Maddox signed with the Braves that following off season. Braves might not have had enough money to sign both those players. So they would have had Bonds. Maddox would have probably gone to the Yankees. Look what the Yankees might have done that, that those years. Would the Braves had won all those division titles in a row and eventually a World Series? We don't know. But – would Bonds have turned into the, the home run hitter that he was uh, over the next uh, 15, 18 years? The home run record could still be in Atlanta at that point. So it's interesting to think about how one move here or there 20-some years ago changed the, the history or the trajectory of, of baseball. A-Rod's another example. He got drafted number one by the, the Mariners in 1993, and initially – he didn't want to sign with Seattle because he felt they were not a very organized uh, team. They didn't have a, a very good uh, setup. They were actually a really bad team back then. This was before the Mariners really really took off uh, in the early to mid-90s. So um, those are always fascinating things to think about. There's a lot of other, you know, you can go through the history of sports and look at, you know, if this guy had been signed by this club. Or, you know, think about Babe Ruth. Had he not ever been traded to, to the Yankees from the Red Sox, how would that have changed the history of baseball, we might be talking about a completely different, you know, teams with, with most World Series won. So um, those are the things I'd uh, leave people to ponder as we go into 2022. No, you're absolutely right. You made some great points there. And uh, one last thing about Alex I wanted to say about his ego. <laughs> He's got such a big ego that Alex really does believe it is heart of hearts that he's going to get inducted to the Hall of Fame. What are your thoughts on him being so confident and so I'm getting in, so blindsided to really believe he's going to get inducted in? Well, you, you talked about how he was trying to pay people for you know blood tests to try and clear his name. I'm kind of wondering if he knows who the writers are and he's trying to pay them off. I mean, that's the only – there's not a snowball's chance in hell that's happening. I'm going to tell you that right now. I don't see Alex getting in that way. I mean, he might get in in the veterans committee down the road, but I'm sorry, A-Rod, you're not getting in. And here, here's the, the downside. Um, 
he is still involved in the game of baseball, which I, I don't have a problem with in that sense. But the ego that he has is probably as big now as it was when he was a player. And anyone who's watched any of the ESPN baseball telecasts, when he is calling these games, um, you know, it, it's it's very clear in, in his commentating and his analysis, you know, he has these far-fetched beliefs. I, I just, I don't see it. I don't see it happening at all. Um, I think he had a better chance of, um, I can't think of a player that has no chance of getting in the Hall of Fame, but he, he, I just don't see it happening. I mean, Jose, Jose Canseco's got a better chance of getting in the Hall of Fame than he does. So, um. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I, it, it, the documentary is Screwball. You got to watch it with uh, Alex Rodriguez. I did watch it. And no, I, it's, it's funny, but it's not funny. Alex really does believe he's going to get in the Hall of Fame. He's like, you know, I'm getting there. I'm getting in. I'm like, I understand, you know, as an athlete, you got to have that gung-ho mentality. But if I had a vote, you wouldn't even get considered to yeah. to get in. Like, I don't see it. But he really believes he's going to get – like I said, he, he might have some, some – he might have somebody he knows that he's going to hook up. I don't know. He's definitely <laughs> He's got he's got some deep pockets. I'll tell you that much. Alex got some deep pockets, and I don't know, but getting it legit, I don't see it. I agree with you. I don't I don't see it. I don't see it. If you're not going to get let Barry and Kurt Schilling in and Roger Clemens, and you're going to let Alex get in, who failed two tests, so he didn't even learn his lesson the first time. He failed the second time. And then he wanted to, and he messed up the investigation. I, I, I just, I, I don't see it. I agree with you. I just don't see it. Yeah, yeah, I, I don't think there's a, a, a chance that uh, that he gets in. Um, in fact, I'd, I'd be willing to almost uh, almost bet on it. <laughs> you know, I'm not going to do that, obviously, but I, I'd be willing. I'd be willing to to go that far because, uh, again, just with with all the, I mean, for him, this wasn't you know, there's some smoke here or there. This was, you know, there's, there's a fire, there's a building burning down, and, you know, he got caught with a gasoline uh, can in one hand and the match in the other uh, for, for his situation there. And the, the shameful thing about it is, I mean, this is a guy who was a great player, but kind of like we talked about with Urban Meyer, um, the, the common denominator between the two of those guys is a their ego certainly it's their way or the highway and no one else is going to get in my way kind of thing, but also these things that we've seen Meyer do and A Rod do towards the end of his career when this whole steroid thing came out, they were going on 20 years before it happened before we found out about it. It just it wasn't as it wasn't as um, as known, you know these things were going on in the background and they were either ignored or people were just told hey to just not talk about it. And eventually, you know, there's an old thing, you know, keep cheating, you're going to get caught at some point. And, you know, people, people think they're going to can depend on, you know, their situation to not catch up with them. And in both these guys' cases, Urban Meyer and Alex Rodriguez, fortunately it did. Yeah, watch that, that documented screwball. And I thought Alex had a big ego and before watching it and after it's like, wow, I, I wasn't even in the ballpark of how big of an ego he has. He is a mega ego. Yeah. That, yeah. But definitely um, check that out, Screwball. And I did want to go ahead and just kind of, in the order of appearance, 
and again, I apologize if I miss anyone, it's by accident. I'm just going to go down the list of who we've had on the show as a special guest to kind of give them their props and thank you. And let's see here. We had Dower Strawberry. We had Trey Ashby from Paper Stadium's creator. We had Chip Carey, the Atlanta Braves broadcaster. Then um, let's see. Let me just go down the list here. Make sure I, again, apologize if I'm missing. We had Keith Thurman, Keith one-time Thurman. We had Ariel Rodriguez from Signature Training Punch. We had, let's take a look here. Amy Dash joined us too. Mm-hmm. We had, we had uh, Emerson Morris. We also did have here, let me just take a look here. Sinisa, super bad Estrada. It's, uh, definitely, she's fighting this weekend, and I definitely want to wish her the best luck of her fight. I do have her winning her fight, Sinisa Superbad Estrada. And if Sinisa Superbad Estrada is listening or people are listening, I definitely appreciate the fact of them reaching out to us to have us actually cover Sinisa Estrada during a fight. We had a schedule conflict. We couldn't make it. I definitely am trying my best to make her next fight. I could not make this one. Her next fight is in Houston, Texas. I did keep an eye on it. I didn't know she was fighting. It just logistically, it was just a bad time for me because of the holiday for me to get off for Thanksgiving and Christmas. So unfortunately, I could not be at her fight this, which is tomorrow. But Sinisa Superbad Estrada to her people, I definitely have her on my list of making good on covering her fight. I really appreciate you guys reaching out to us on the Allen and Aaron Sports Radio Show. So thank you, Sinisa Superbad Estrada, for coming on our show as a guest and also reaching out to us. Let me just see here. Let's see. We also had Amari and Andre Avery from The Short Game. We had them as guests. We also did have, let me just see here, Dr. Hutchinson, of Power Plus Mopguard as a special guest, too. Yeah. And definitely thank you, thank you for him coming on. We had Trisha Clark from the, the golf locker room as a guest as well. And we had pro golfer Tux Pedro, who not only was a guest on our show, I really appreciate not only him coming on our show, but I did get a chance to play a round of golf with Tux Pedro that we did videotape, and they're in the process of editing that video right now. It should be wrapped up today or tomorrow. Look forward to that, for that to be released sometime during next week. So I'll show you that. I played a round of pro golf with uh, Tux Pedro, and he is the real deal. Not only that, you'll learn a lot of information by watching that documentary that I did. We definitely wanted to thank Joel Camco Camilleri from Australia, boxer, professional boxer. We also did want to thank former pro boxer Paul Hurricane Briggs from Australia as well. And from Australia, the super featherweight champion, Dana Coolwell, and also the grandson of the late Dave Sands, Chad Richie Sands. And they're all from Australia. We want to also thank, want to make sure that we thank Glenn Earnshaw from 
Australia. He's the one who's a top fan, and he reached out to us with getting a lot of the Australian boxers on the show. Really appreciative of Glenn Earnshaw and his contribution to the Alan and Aaron Sports Radio Show. And definitely, these are some of the interviews that we did on our show. We've also had Evan, as well as Evander Holyfield come on the show as well. They were both interviewed. I did want to send my apologies for Evan Holyfield. I did do a great interview with him. And I learned a lesson. That's something I learned on this show that where he was sitting at, he basically walked in and he sat right, right in front of me. The opportunity was so great to interview him. I kind of, it kind of literally, he walked into the, the best spot. The only thing is where we were sitting at, which I learned from future interviews, his back was to where he was sitting at, the back was to the sun. So he does come in quite dark on the video. You can still see him, but I really would have preferred having him switch seats with me. That is a lesson learned that even though the opportunity is great, make sure that the video comes out great by maybe making him switch chairs if you have to. So my apologies to Evan Holyfield for, I will put that video out before the end of the year. I'm going to try to do some editing with it. And also I did have his contact information. I am going to reach out to Evan Holyfield so that he can come on our show as well. And I want to thank Amanda Holyfield for coming on our show as too. So we been really blessed on the Allen and Aaron Sports Talk Radio Show. We want to thank all those guests. If I did miss anybody, I sincerely apologize. And not to mention all of the press conferences that we were including in and ask questions to. We really appreciate Top Rank and all of the the press conference we were invited to. Any thoughts you did have too on that as well as far as our guests, Aaron? Yeah, the only one that I um, I was kind of racking my brain for everyone who's been on this year. It's been such a great year with uh, with having people on. Uh, Tyler Redmond um, from um, On Deck. Uh, we had him on, I believe it was back in either May or June. Uh, that was a really terrific interview, and I actually had a chance to uh, meet him in Atlanta back in uh, in July. So uh, that was a really, really good interview, and he's uh, he's been a friend of the show here. I do talk to him uh, through messaging every probably couple of weeks. So he's got a lot of good things to say. And anybody who wants to see his uh, program, you can always like his show. I believe he has a Facebook page under uh, On Deck with Tyler Redmond. So uh, it was another great guest we had throughout the year. Yes, I did miss Tyler. I knew I missed somebody. I apologize, Tyler. But, yes, he he is was a great, great guest. He has a lot of information. And <laughs> – he had gotten great karma. He got on the news because of him being such a diehard Braves fan. I I never thought I'd meet somebody who was a bigger Braves fan than you, than you, Aaron. But <laughs> I <don't> see, <laughs> Tyler's doing big things in Atlanta, and and definitely congratulations to Atlanta Braves for winning the, the World Series there. So and you know it's been a fantastic, fantastic year. With the guests, I mean, as I'm reading them, I'm like, wow, we we really, really got really blessed. And these these all have been great people and great interviews too. To 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 let everybody know, if you haven't listened to them, please listen to our those interviews. Some of them are on our Facebook page, some of them are on iHeartRadio. Now you can fetch, catch some of them on YouTube as well. So check them out. And they, they've been fantastic interviews. I mean, I've learned a lot just by interviewing people. We're going to try to make the show even better. 
So that's a, a learning bit for me that no matter how great the opportunity is, if the person is standing in the shadows, make the move. <laughs> Politely ask them to switch positions. But, um, you know, yeah, you learn absolutely. more and more every day. <laughs> yeah. You learn more and more every day. And we got plenty more interviews coming up in 2022. Plenty more great guests. Your guys' uh, feedback and a lot going on in 2022 and definitely we wanted to share our picks for this week are you wanted to do that now Aaron yeah yeah I've got the picks in front of me here in fact uh, we'll just simply go through the list uh, both of us I think picked Kansas City uh, last evening and that yeah that sure actually did. happened so <laughs> very good game <laughs> then we've got the uh, Raiders and the well these games may be a little bit uh, delayed, obviously, with the, the COVID stuff going on, but we'll start off here. Raiders and Browns, um, which will be played sometime in the next couple of days. Uh, I've got uh, Cleveland winning that game. It looks like uh, Las Vegas is just kind of, after the whole John Gruden debacle, has kind of just lost focus, lost touch. Yeah, it's been disappointing how they have really, really faltered in, in since John Gruden left. It's almost like they've lost all hope to try to make a run for it. And it's been really tough year so far for the Raiders. Started off so promising with the new stadium, but it has been a disappointment. And I, I would agree with you on that. I, I was, as much as I really want to root for the Raiders to, and they really should be winning against the Browns. I have to go with the Browns as well on this game because of how shaky they've been, been playing. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's kind of both teams have had some ups and downs this year, but it seems like Cleveland is kind of, in my opinion, at least, kind of figured things out a little bit lately. Um, I like this next matchup. Um, New England, um, they have been a red hot team here of late. Nine and four, they're playing the Colts in Indianapolis, who are seven and six. I picked uh, New England in this game. Yeah, I have to, I have to agree with you and New England on that one too. I did have the Patriots winning this game. This one was a tough pick. This was a really, really tough pick because the Patriots are hot, but I do like what the Colts are doing, especially with Jonathan Taylor. That is a stud running back and a really gifted player. He has the potential of actually possibly getting the MVP, Jonathan Taylor, the Colts uh, running back. Sensational player. Having said that, the Patriots have figured it out late in the year how to win. They didn't even throw the ball hardly, and they beat the Bills. So it's hard for me to bet against the Patriots. They are red hot, and they're looking like the Patriots of old. So I'm going to go with the Patriots, too. All right. And then the next matchup is uh, two teams that are kind of stumbling here a little bit. You mentioned the Bills there a moment ago. They're 7-6. and six. They're hosting the Panthers at 5-8. and eight. I've got Buffalo winning that game. Yeah, I do have Buffalo winning this game as well. I just think the Buffalo needs to win a game. I just think that they have been reeling. They were – I know that the players were really defensive when they said that they were embarrassed. You know, the, the way that the reporter asked the question, were you embarrassed the way the Patriots are running over you? And I know the players got really, really upset about that. But, they, you know, he was right. They were, they were getting ran over pretty bad. I mean, the, the opponent only threw three times. So the Bills really need to win this game badly, and I think they need to win. And because of that reason, they'll be real hungry, and they're going to find a way to beat the, the Panthers. So I have the Bills winning too. 
And then the next uh, game is uh, looks like the Cardinals uh, ten and three. It couldn't be even further from the uh, opposite of each other here with the Lions at one eleven and one. Um, I picked Arizona to win this. this. Is actually one of my lock picks for the week. Yeah, I have I have the Cardinals also winning this game too. It's just uh that one is just you just can't you can't pick the Lions in this game. The Cardinals all the way, and I don't see it even being a close game. Yeah, I don't I don't think it is either. I mean, um, this is kind of a almost like a practice game for. Uh, for, uh, for Arizona, and then beyond that, you've got uh, the Dolphins, who've been improved a little bit lately. They're six and seven, and they're taking on the Jets, who are three and ten. I picked uh, Miami in this one. Yeah, seems like we got a lot of similar picks. I have Miami in this one too. The Miami has actually got a very, you know, they underachieved a bit this year, but they have a very solid defense, and I like what they're doing offensively with Tua. So I got the Dolphins winning this game against the Jets for sure. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, Dallas, they're hosting the Giants, uh, nine and four versus four and nine. I've got the Cowboys uh, winning that game. Yeah, I got the Cowboys winning that game as well against the the Giants. I just, uh, you know, when it when Saquon Barkley went down and now he's back, I just feel as if this team is really pretty much underachieved. That being the Giants. And the Cowboys need to finish off strong to head into the playoffs. So I have the Cowboys being motivated to win, and I got them winning this game too. Yeah, absolutely. Then um, we've got the Washington Football Club at 6-7 and seven against the 6-7 and seven Eagles. Both these teams have a shot at the playoffs if they can, um, you know, win out uh, over the next four weeks. Uh, I've got uh, Washington – winning that game. I think this is going to be a pretty close matchup between these two clubs. I do. This was another tough pick. The Washington football team against the Eagles really can go either way. Both teams have shown flashes, but I would have to say out of the whole year, the Washington football team has been more consistent, especially on the defensive end. Even with Chase Young going down, they have a very good team, Washington football team. They did beat the Bucks. So I got the Washington football team beating the Eagles in this game. Get the uh, Titans nine and four, Steelers six six and one. Uh, I got uh, Tennessee taking this game from Pittsburgh in Pittsburgh. I do too. The, the Steelers really have underachieved as well this year. They have really done haven't done themselves any favors, and I agree with the criticism that Chase Claypool got celebrating towards the end of the game when your team needs to run another play to try to see if you can force the game on to overtime. And I really think the Steelers have been playing a lot of selfish football. I think the Titans are going to find a way to win this game. It's going to be a close game though. Yeah, I think it'll be uh it'll be a good matchup, especially if the weather is uh, not cooperating there in Pittsburgh. Um, this next one is a, a real barn burner. Um, two and eleven Houston Texans against the two and le- uh, two and eleven uh, Urban Meyerless uh, Jacksonville Jaguars. Um, I'm only picking Houston in this game because they've had a big mess on their hands throughout the entire season, only because of the dysfunction that's going to be kind of looming over Jacksonville. So I've got the Texans winning that game. That's kind of a really a boring matchup, honestly. Yeah, that was a tough pickup. I 
I actually picked the opposite. I did pick the Jaguars just because I feel like the players now going to have a breath of fresh air. I feel like Urban Meyer kind of sucked a lot of their energy in a negative way. I did get the impression that a lot of the team was very, very happy to see Urban, you know, get go ahead and get his walking papers. So I think they're going to have some good spirits, and the Jaguars are going to play really well. They actually do have a young, a good young team. I think the Jaguars are going to put it together and surprise people and win a game. I have the Jaguars winning. All right, all right. Um, got the Broncos and the Bengals both at seven and six. This game's going to be in Denver. Um, you know, you got a veteran uh, quarterback on uh, one side and a second-year quarterback on the other. I've got uh, I've got Cincinnati um, picking or picking them rather to win in Denver on Sunday. Yeah, surprised you picked the Bengals, but the Bengals have a very good team. They have a very good running back, and I do like what they're doing with with Joe Burrow. So I have the Bengals winning that game as well against the Broncos. It's going to be a close game. That was a tough, tough pick too, but I have the Bengals winning that game too. Next matchup is uh, six and seven Atlanta at seven and six San Francisco. Uh, I really feel like. Um, 49ers have at least found some some life, uh, maybe getting into the playoffs. Atlanta really has to win out in order to get in. I've got the 49ers. Yeah, the 49ers, too, in this game. I just feel as if uh, they seem to play really well toward the end of the year, and they also seem to play good against the Falcons. I, I just think um, this is going to be a good matchup for Jimmy Garoppolo. So I have I have the 49ers also winning this game against the Falcons. Rams uh, nine and four. They're hosting the Seahawks at five and eight. Uh, I've got uh, the Rams winning this game. Yeah, this was a tough matchup because Seattle—they really cannot afford to lose any more games if they want to make a push to make to the playoffs this year. So I expect Russell to do his very best, but I just think the Rams have just too many weapons, both defensively and offensively. It's going to be a close game. I think it's going to be a real, really close contested game. But I do think the Rams are going to find a way to win this game. All right. And then you get the – this is a good matchup here. A great offense on one side, actually on both sides. And then uh, it might be a battle of defenses. Uh, you get the 10-3 uh, and three Packers. I have them as the top seed in the NFL right now. And uh, you get the 8-5 uh, and five Ravens. I've got Green Bay in this game. I do have Green Bay in this game as well. <laughs> as much as I would like to pick the opposite, I cannot because of the fact that Lamar Jackson has a really bad ankle injury. He's gonna it's gonna be a game time decision whether he's gonna play or not. I know that they might move this game back, but I still just don't think the Ravens will have enough and be ready to beat the Packers. This this coming up week, I just think that the Packers are going to do their very do what they do best, and Aaron's going to show up. Aaron Jones, you know, Devontae Adams, and they're going to end up winning the game. I got the Packers winning too. All right, now your uh, your Bucks are playing uh, Sunday. I believe this is actually the Sunday night game, if I'm not mistaken. It's uh, Tampa at ten and three, and they are taking on. New Orleans Saints, and uh, they are, of course, at 6-7. and seven. Their playoff hopes are on the line out uh, here for this game. I've got Tampa Bay winning there on, on Sunday evening. 
Yeah, that one I have Tampa Bay winning too. I just uh, think that the Bucks are need to to keep winning because they're trying to get that number one seed. They have a shot at it. But I, I think uh, the Bucks are going to do what they need to do to to beat the Saints. I, I just think uh, it's going to be a close game, but I think the Bucks are going to pull it out. Final game of this uh, week 14 coming up, or actually week 15, I should say. Um, and that is uh, the uh, Minnesota Vikings at uh, six and seven, trying to hold on to any hopes of a playoff uh, berth on their end, and they're going on the road to uh, Chicago four and nine. The Bears. I've got the Vikings in that one. Yeah, I have the Vikings too. You know, the Bears really have underachieved this year. The Vikings actually do have a very good team. They played the Steelers very good on Monday night. They really should have blew out the Steelers, but they got too complacent around halftime, and because of that, the game was close. I had the Vikings winning this game pretty handily against the Bears. Yeah, I think it's going to be a, a, a weather could play it a factor in that one, certainly, but I, I do agree. Um, the Bears got a little overconfident the other night, too, playing against uh, Green Bay. They had, a, a, I believe it was a lead at a half, or towards the end of the game, and then Green Bay just came back and um, basically knocked them out. So, um, got to play the entire 60 minutes, uh, gentlemen. That's uh, how the game is played. So, <laughs> you can't celebrate. It's kind of like the 49ers in the Super Bowl a couple of years ago. You can't celebrate with 10 minutes left in the game, especially against a good team. So, um, so those are our picks for uh, Week 15. Uh, we will, um, in the weeks that we're off, which is Weeks 16 and 17, for Christmas and New Year's, of course, we will update our picks and our standings. Uh, Alan presently, I believe, has a three-game lead over me right now. So the next, uh, this week included three weeks, will determine the, uh, the winner of this year's uh, NFL picks. And, um, of course, in the playoffs begin here in just a few weeks as well. So um, it's been a great year, uh, Alan. I, I've really had a lot of fun. Um, glad to be continuing this is going into 2022. Uh, any final thoughts as we close out our show here tonight? Yeah, it's been a lot of fun. It's been, and it's just getting started. The party's getting started. It's been fantastic. Really thank all those guests and the fans and, and the experience. I mean, it's, it's just been a wonderful ride. And the only other thing I wanted to say in the boxing, I have Sinisa Estrada winning. And this fight tomorrow, the Jake Paul and the Tyron Woodley part two fight. I have Jake Paul winning again. This one actually was a tough, tough match for me to pick, but I have Jake Paul winning again. And I definitely want to thank Glenn Earnshaw one more time for his contribution and helping us getting the boxers and all of the people that all the way from Australia across the pond, as they would say. So it's, it's been a magical ride and, and definitely, um, I want to thank all of these guests that have came onto our show and, and really tell them, you know, thank you. Thank you for your support of the Allen Aaron Sports Talk Radio Show. It doesn't go unnoticed. We tremendously appreciate you. And um, definitely, it's been a, a great ride, and we have a lot of great things that we want to bring to you in 2022. We want to get the year started off on the right foot just like we did in 2021. And uh, make sure you guys are staying healthy, 
definitely that's very important. Uh, as we started the show, we have lost, unfortunately, some real big icons in 2021. And definitely stay healthy. Make sure you take care of yourself because, uh, you know, this day and age, COVID is still, unfortunately, out there. So be careful out there. And also mind yourself to be kind to someone else because you never know uh, when you might need them. And definitely let me bring Aaron back on. We did lose him. That yeah. is uh, that is live technology for you right there. How about that? <laughs> yeah, I was just telling the folks, uh, you know, basically thank you for supporting our show. And if you haven't done so already, please like. The Allen and Aaron Sports Talk Radio Show on Facebook and follow us on iHeartRadio. We we really appreciate and love you guys. And what thoughts do you have, Aaron, before we close out 2021? Well, I mean, uh, if you uh, enjoyed our show in 2021, uh, you know, stand by for bigger and better things. Uh, we're certainly going to be out there. I think uh, both of us uh, will have some opportunities to uh, go to some sporting venues or events throughout the year. I know you had a great opportunity in 2021, just like I did. And we're looking forward to continuing to do that going into the, uh, into the future. And uh, we're going to work very hard on uh, getting some uh, guests on our program again. Um, some of those guests will be people, you know, some of those people will be guests that are kind of behind the scenes. And, uh, you know, obviously in the world of sports, there's a lot of unsung heroes. So we'll have individuals like that that are joining our show as well. So uh, Alan, it's been a great year. Um, the next two weeks, uh, everyone, uh, which, uh, of course, is uh, New Year's Eve and Christmas Eve, of course, is next week, uh, we will uh, be off, um, spending time with our family and friends, of course, uh, enjoying uh, this time of the year. January 7th is three weeks from today, and we will be back, and that will be our first show as we kick off our third season and, uh, of course, the 2022 sports year. So for Alan, for Lou, this is Aaron. Signing off for the final time in 2021. Everyone have a happy holidays. Thank you for listening to the Evan Aaron Sports Talk Podcast. Subscribe and check us out on your favorite social media platform. Thank you. Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.